Hello, good evening, and welcome to Seascapes. On tonight's programme, we hear from the fishermen who brought the trawlers into Cork City as part of a protest this week. And I'm in the naval base in Hall Bolan to meet the new operations commander of the Irish Naval Service. On Wednesday, 65 trawlers from all over the south coast staged a demonstration on the Cork Keys to highlight the immense difficulties facing the industry at the moment. After docking in the city centre, the crews and their families marched to the Taoiseach's constituency office to hand in a list of demands they say are needed to save the industry. Quotas are the huge issue for fishermen. Post-Brexit, an already small Irish quota was cut by another 20%, a cut which they say is unsustainable. Patrick Murphy of the Irish South West Fish Producers Organisation told me what the industry needed. Yeah, look, we, we always had a small share, but we say around 20%, and that's being generous. But now we're cut to 15%, and what that means is that Ireland Inc., using that fish generated for the economy a billion euros. That's what it was worth to the economy, 16,000 jobs. And uh, here we are now losing 20% of that. So facing um, the aftermath of COVID, where we're going to lose money, where we don't have enough money to sustain the services that we're here, isn't it madness to give away such a rich resource to other countries so that they can use that money and that wealth to generate the income that they need for their economies to provide the services over there? We're not asking for a lot. Look, if we were given 50% of the fish in our own waters, not catching fish anywhere else, who could deny us that? So, you know, when we're asking for fish and looking for it, this isn't about holding what we have. We should be looking for more, building our economy, adding billions to our economy, taking off um, the, the stresses and strains and other areas of our economy that are su- suffering as a direct result of COVID. This is about the guards, the nurses, the doctors, all our civil servants. We need this money to be generated from the most natural and most renewable of resources that we have right around our shoreline. And we should be looking to capitalise on that, not throw it away. As part of their campaign, the fish producers' organisations have produced a series of videos for social media called The Fisher's Voice. In this post, published to coincide with the protests on Wednesday, Catherine and Damien Turner speak of the difficulties the industry is facing. My name is Catherine Turner. My husband is a fisherman based in Castletown Bear in West Cork. I am from North Donegal and Damien is from Cork City. Neither of us are from fishing families, but through visits to Bear Island with family friends as a young fella, Damien slowly but surely grew to love the sea and pursued a life as a fisherman. After training in Greencastle Fishery School, where we met, and at the tender age of only 21, he bought shares in a fishing vessel and was soon in the role of skipper. He loves the sea and it's ingrained in him. He lives and breathes it every day. The industry does have its problems, you know, there's no doubt about it, you know, but I don't know what a job It's I started by was 18, you know, and I love the job, you know, I'm progressed onto buying boats and I'm hugely proud of the fact that a lot of the lads that work with me are in the local community. As a newly married couple, I moved to Castletown Bear in 1997, moving away from everyone I knew and the life I knew. It wasn't an easy transition. It was a lonely time in my life. It took time to get to know people, and although Damien's parents had moved from the city to Castletown Bear, I found it very hard to find my place in the community. Damien was at sea when the weather permitted, and the days ashore were spent on the boat, 
making sure that any jobs and repairs were carried out in time for the next trip. I often questioned if I had made the right decision in moving so far from home. After three years, we had our daughter, Rosha, and it was then that I started to make friends and life became more enjoyable. We went on to have a son also, Lachlan. I couldn't even begin to tell you the number of birthdays, anniversaries, weddings and other life events Damien has missed. First steps, first words, first days at school, the things that most families treasure. The boat had to go to sea to pay off the boat mortgage. That's just the way it was. Sacrifices had to be made. The boat itself, uh, like any other skipper and owner, was hugely proud of him. You know, uh, they're all home for the best part of the year. You know. As the skipper of a boat, it's not only your family you're providing for, but also the families of your crew. In Damien's case, he has six crew, and it's up to him to ensure that he provides them with a fair wage for the job that they do. This responsibility weighs very heavy on him, as it does with all boat owners. Here we are now, and we are in our early 50s. In the 30 plus years I have known Damien, the fishing industry has changed drastically. As any owner of a fishing vessel will tell you, the authorities are making it near impossible for fishermen to keep going. I have never seen Damien so disillusioned, and it breaks my heart. A career he loves, a career he feels he's been pushed out of. I do the paperwork for our business, and this is the first time that I have said to him that fishing has become unsustainable. The figures don't add up anymore. The prices for fish are not covering the costs involved in maintaining the vessel and earning a decent living for his crew. The quotas on Irish boats are simply just too tight. It's a great community to be, uh, to be part of. Uh, it's something that we should not let go. Um, there's a great comradeship among fishermen. Uh, you see us on the pier talking. Oh, it's different when we go fishing. <laughs> you know, we're all looking for the best spot and uh, to do our job and whatever. But um, yeah, we, you know, we're sure we have skippers and motorboats you know, down talking to us and sharing stories. So it's actually a brilliant, brilliant community to be part of. And it's something as a country we just cannot see die out. Catherine and Damien Turner. All of those trawlers also provide employment for a whole host of support industries. Those people also turned out on Wednesday to show their support. My name is Rodney O'Sullivan and I'm the depot manager of Swanwick Countries in Castonbear. We're net manufacturers, we're Swanwick Countries and we provide fishing gear to all the trawlers. So basically if there's decommissioning coming in and the trawlers are going to be wiped out, well our industry is gone as well. So. Like we support a lot of the um, rural communities, so like every bit of fish that comes in pays for our staff, and our staff goes to the shops and milk and bread and everything. So the fishing is very important to all these rural communities. Where are you based? We're based out of Castombear, but we have depots in Union Hall, Killybegs, Rossville, and uh, Dunmore. Very much a local industry. Very much local industry, yeah. It's a highly skilled industry. Um, it takes many years to learn it. Um, none of, there's no machines could actually manufacture what we actually do because it's all labour intensive and it's tailored made to each individual boat. Now, one group who were out in force at that demonstration were a large number of fishermen from the Philippines who work on Irish boats. They are looking for changes to the work visa system as it applies to them. Now, unfortunately, most of them had little English, but boat owner Johnny Welch told me about the issues that affected them and him as their employer. 
I've um, two boats actually, one 26 metre boat and a 19 metre boat. Um, the 19 metre boat's a gillnetter, the bigger boat's a pelagic vessel. And um, we've approximately five staff in each of the boats. I've four Filipino boys who are working for me for the past five years. And I just could not speak highly enough of these guys. They're absolutely fabulous guys. Unfortunately, due to COVID, their passport was due to go out of date next August. So currently I can't renew their contract, which I need for the GNAB card. Luckily, the state had extended it due to COVID to the 20th of September. They're here with you today. Yes. English isn't great though, yeah. but there's a specific issue that they're protesting about, about visas. Yes, yes Fergal, um, their visas is a huge issue because um, when Mr. Coveney brought in this atypical scheme in 2016, it was put under the Department of Justice. So every year we have to renew their... And that's specifically for fisheries? Yes, that's just for fisheries. Every other one comes under the Department of Labour. We have huge issues. Also, I must say that it's not allowed to have these guys on the under 15 metre boats, which is crazy. They're a necessity to the industry and we just cannot work without them. They're just, as I said cannot speak highly enough about these guys. The atypical scheme, because it's run by the Department of Justice rather than Labour, it has specific issues for you. The biggest issue really is it's to be renewed yearly as opposed to three yearly under the Department of Labour. Um, the biggest one we probably have with it is my lads are with me five years. They should now qualify for a stamp four, but they refused being a part of the atypical scheme that's for the, for the fishing industry through the Department of Justice and not to their uh, colleagues and friends who are in this country who are under the Department of Labour. They can have a sister here who's a nurse exactly. who's treated in a completely different way. Exactly. A nurse and they have their, their fabulous community that live together and socialise together and as you said their friends, colleagues, relations, family can be under the other scheme qualify for a stamp four whereas they're stuck with a stamp one all the time. There's been a bit of controversy from time to time over foreign people working on trawlers, maybe with, without visas? The, the main, yes, uh, yes is the answer to your question. The main reason is just due to administration difficulty between us and the industry. It takes me six months to renew their stuff and to be honest, by the time they're renewed, it's time to start all over again. It takes three weeks through the Department of Labour. And like, no one wants an illegal person, but like, you them guys living in the country want to be legal, but unfortunately fall between the loopholes. Johnny, where do you fish out of mostly? Um, our home is Kinsale, but most of the time I'm fishing up off the north of the west of Scotland, the north of Ireland, the west of Scotland. Long way from Kinsale? Yeah, it is, but um, we, we, we make it back once in a while. And, uh, <laughs> The fishing industry has been more or less forgotten on the political margins for a very long time. But I get the feeling that that might be changing. Fishing has been raised in the Dole almost on a daily basis for the past few weeks and you get the feeling that very soon it's going to become more of a political issue. One of the industry's most vocal supporters has been independent Cork TD Michael Collins. I met him at the demonstration on Wednesday. 
I uh, left the doll early this morning, so I'd come down to support the fishermen of uh, West Cork, I suppose, and, and Cork County, and the whole of the country. Uh, there's a massive, massive crisis here, and our country, our country leaders, uh, like this, three, there's two, three ministers, actually, a Taoiseach and two ministers here, never uh, turned up here at this protest today, and they should be here to acknowledge the difficulties that the fishermen are going through, that the fishermen are going through at this time. And I'm appalled that we have uh, a Brexit after being uh, hoisted upon us, where, in my view, um, we, we, we are asleep at the wheel in Brexit negotiations. Now we have a weighing crisis that has just um, has actually been in, uh, in the department and the minister knew about since December and sat idly by until until we had a crisis on, on, at five o'clock on April the 16th. So like we're 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 jumping from one crisis to another, and it doesn't look as if we have leadership or or the interest uh, for the fishing industry. Because as I was watching, I know you've tried to raise this in the door a couple of times in the last couple of weeks without success. Yeah, I've been very successful in fairness uh, in the Agricultural and Marine Committee, but in relation to raising it in the Dáil as an issue, they, they don't want to debate this issue. But I won't give up my fight because we have to discuss the fishing industry and the crisis that we're, we're facing at the moment in the Dáil, and that has to happen soon. The Taoiseach has conti- I continuously refused, no matter how much I pushed, to discuss this issue uh, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our state parliament. And he has to acknowledge the crisis that we're in and he has to see the road forward. It looks to me as if Europe dictates to Ireland in relation to fishing. They say jump and we say jump how high. And you can hear more of those voices on The Fisher's Voice. You'll find that on Facebook and YouTube. When I was in Cork, I took the opportunity to visit the Irish Navy base in Holbolan. On a very breezy afternoon there, I met the new officer in command of naval operations, Captain Kenneth Minahan. Before taking this job on shore, he had served five times as commander of Navy ships. He told me first about his new job. I'm in charge of operations branch of the Naval Service, which encompasses the ships and the operations of the base itself. I head up a team that, uh, that direct the ships and where we want them to go and what we want them to do out in the vast seas that we patrol off the Irish coast. Um, I also um, head up a team that, uh, that run the facilities here on the naval base, which is a, 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 a big complex operation in itself. We're in Hole Bowling. It's, it's a very historic base. It's a very historic but strategic base. Um, when you think about the location of the base, it played a very important role for the, the Royal Navy back in World War One, and not so much in World War Two. But also prior to that, in the, the British conquests to the United States uh, and its in endeavours against the French, um, the base played uh, initially a, a victualling role, uh, supplying the ships, but after a period of time, the facilities were changed to a dockyard facility here in the, the naval base. And it played a very important role during World War I for the Royal Navy. You brought me now to one particular war here. Yeah, we're standing on the oil wharf um, on the naval base, on the, the north side of the naval base itself. And this is the wharf where we fuel the ships. We have a very modern fueling facility. Which You've got your own tanks here? Yes, we have our own tanks, which we fill um, maybe once or twice a year. And uh, it's a reserve for the ships because we need to store enough fuel that if there is a shortage of, of fuel in the country that we can keep operations around the Irish coast. You have nine ships at the moment. We have nine ships, that's right. Um, we have uh, four that are the P60 class, which are our, our newest ships. 
and we have uh, two which are Peacock or uh, P40 um, class ships. They're smaller ships that we acquired from the, the Royal Navy in the late 80s. And we have one helicopter patrol vessel, the Elietna, and we have two ships uh, that were built in England in the late 80s, um, the Elie Neve and the Elie Roisin. You were captain of the Etna yourself, it's the flagship. That's right, I was captain of the Etna in 2017-18 and it was a great honour for me to be captain of the flagship, um, which was my last command and um, she was a fine ship. Um, unfortunately at the moment she's in operation reserve as we term it because we have a, a, a shortage of personnel in the naval base or in the naval service and we're, we're unable to, to adequately crew the ship to send her to sea again so she's in operation reserve. You have a recruiting program though, it's ongoing? Yes, uh, we, we're, our recruitment program is ongoing and um, is quite extensive and you know a lot of people ask me would I encourage people to join the Navy. Um, I myself have had a, a very, very interesting and, and challenging career in the Naval Service, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. And if you're a young man or woman um, that wants to come and join the Naval Service, I would encourage it because it gives you an opportunity for great expansion as a young person. We do challenging, interesting, never mundane tasks around the Irish coast, which should fill any young man or woman with excitement to try and fulfill the challenges that we have at sea and you know we, we, we train our personnel to a very high standard we offer them apprenticeships tech trainee schemes to advance their ability to if in years to come they decide to leave the naval service that they're adequately equipped to go out into industry and, and represent themselves into a very high standard because of the training they received in the Irish Naval Service. We're going to walk on. We've walked along, we've stopped here at a gun. Big, a cannon came off ship. Yeah, that's one of our 14 limiters from the, the, the patrol vessels that were built here in Cork. Um, I'm not sure exactly what ship it's off. It would, it would have been one of Eli Deirdre, Eli uh, Emer, Eli Ashton, or Eli Aoife's. Um, that was quite a good gun for us to start off with because it's a very dependable gun. It's manual and um, a, a good trained team. It's a very accurate gun with, with, with a good trained team. You're, you're firing out of a gun sight essentially. Like it's, it's enormous thing about size of tractor, but you're using a gun sight. We're using a gun sight and the, um, initially the, the, the mount would have been manually operated but uh, later on in the, in the years around the, late, or the early 90s we transformed them into a hydraulic system where the, the operator, and it's a three-man system, you have, you have the, the operator, the person who fires it and you have two loaders and um, the, the, the system would have, been, would have been capable of firing um, a number of rounds to about um, about three or four miles, um, and they were they were quite accurate if they were if the, the gunners were trained to a high standard, which which the vast vast majority of them were. But it's here now; it's a museum piece. Yes, unfortunately, um, we we've modernised our fleet, so we've taken those those guns off the ships, and uh, we try and you know remember the way we were because uh, history is an important part of the naval service tradition is an important part 
and uh, we, we try and keep memories of, of what we used to do in the past, which helps us to, to think of the future. These guns down, there's some more of them down here. On the modern, most modern ships, are they done by push button or computer or computer screen? Are they fired like that? Yeah, um, our modern weapon systems are, are mainly 76mm automolar, it would be the primary weapons on board ships, and they are fired using an optical fire control system. So the, the, the gunnery officer would, would be in control of the overall system with, and again, another uh, team of people that would work with him for loading the gun and for tracking uh, targets, and uh, they're fired by uh, by a push uh, foot button, actually a foot pedal, okay. um, rather than on some of the ships and other ones. Then we have a push button with your finger. It depends on what ship you're on. But they're not sitting on the gun like you would here. Are they in an office somewhere? No, they're, they're not sitting in the gun like you would have uh, in the one we're standing next to anymore. They're 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 located on the bridge. And you would have one of the gunners down in the gun control room uh, who, who is actually um, manually operating the, 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 the system until he hands over control to the person on the bridge. So you have age restrictions on joining, but how long do you have to sign up for if you decide to join? Depends on what training you undergo, but for a recruit, for instance, the, you sign on for five years. Um, now that doesn't mean you have to stay for the five years and there's a small payment that must be made if you discharge before that time. Um, and it, it, it doesn't mean that you'll be left go after five years. Um, it's just that uh, they're offered five-year contracts but there's no issue with, with anybody staying. Uh, the, the amount of people whose uh, renewal of contract is refused is very, very small. We're here in your the main square. You've got, I call it square bashing for recruits. They're not recruits, they're potential non-commissioned officers. So what you're actually listening to is an individual in the class demonstrating his ability to instruct people on the square in arms drill. They're training in ceremonial roles, really. Um, arms drill is, is quite an important part of any military organisation as well as, as, well as uh, marching on the square. You know, it shows, uh, it shows a degree of discipline to be able to, to perform to a high standard on the square uh, in a military fashion. So the, the, the drill that they're learning to instruct at the moment is very important, as you say. Sometimes it's used in the, in the ceremonial role in front of diplomats from all around the world. So it's important that we, we train them to a very high standard to make sure that they represent the, the naval service when, when there's a need to do so. These NCO recruits, possible recruits, are training here. What are they going to learn about being in charge? And what did you yourself, if you're a commander... What leadership do you bring and what does leadership mean? As a senior officer, your, your leadership skills are really brought to the fore so that you can make sure that the people under your command understand what the, uh, the end state of your mission is. Do you try to keep everybody happy all the time? Well, nobody can keep everybody happy all of the time. You must try about think about the overall well-being of the crew. Make sure that they're motivated, make sure that they're being looked after in their own personal needs, but also um, you know, to, to communicate what the, the mission is about to the crew. 
and make sure that they understand what they are bringing to the table for Ireland by representing Ireland abroad in such a mission. And it's very important that as a leader you empower your people to be able to perform to the best of their abilities. And uh, as, a, as a leader in the Irish Naval Service I've always tried to empower our, our ratings and our NCOs to show me as their, as their commanding officer what they're capable of. And I've always found that personnel in the Naval Service are trained and can perform to the highest standards required of them. And it's a, it's, it's a commanding officer that will, will enable them to show those skills that will bring it to the fore. And, you know, it's very hard to pin down exactly what leadership is about because it's a, it's a plethora of, of, of many different skills. Having confidence in your ability to command, especially command a ship in poor weather, and that the crew know that they're looking at you knowing that guy knows what he's doing. I have confidence in him. I believe in his ability. That is probably one of the biggest things because if you're out in bad weather, your crew look to you because you're the one in charge. And thanks to Captain Kenneth Minahan. Apologies for the wind noise on some of that recording. And to finish now, just a quick word about the Cork Harbour Festival, which has a whole host of activities beginning next weekend for 10 days. Festival manager Joy Yacoon said they are delighted to be presenting activities that people can physically partake in again. So there are things like powerboating, sailing, kayaking that you can take part in, and there are also a whole host of online events. All the details and to register for events is corkharborfestival.com. And that's it for Seascapes for this week. We're back at the same time next Friday. Everything on the programme is podcast. It's on our website, rte.ie slash seascapes. If you want to contact me or the programme, the email is seascapes at rte.ie. If you're anywhere on or near the water over the next week, stay safe. Seascapes is presented and produced by Fergal Keane.